You're listening to The Parking Podcast. Views and opinions are my own. Welcome back to another episode of The Parking Podcast. With us today is Scott and Julie Brusaw of Solar Roadways. How are you guys doing today? We're doing good. And I am so thankful you're on the podcast, especially the month that you guys have had. So for those of you that don't follow them online, social media, I know Scott uh, had a heart surgery. We've been on pins and needles, so so glad to hear you. Uh, sounding so strong. And Scott, do you feel comfortable just kind of telling us kind of what happened and, and how you're feeling? Sure. I just got up one morning in late September and I was going about my business and about an hour into it, started having horrible chest pains and uh, contacted my... But you ended up in the hospital. Yeah. And long story short, we found out that he had a congenital problem with his aortic valve and yet his, all of his tests, he passed with flying colors. He didn't have any blockages. His heart was great and healthy. So he just had one part of his heart that was trying to kill him. <laughs> oh, man. So they got me into surgery pretty quick. The uh, surgeon was a Solar Roadways fan. And they said, we got to get you in here so you can get back to your important work. Which was so awesome for us it to was. hear. And I read that on the blog. That got me a little emotional. The cardiologist was familiar with your work and paid special uh, attention. That's, that's divine intervention right there. Yeah. Yeah, we believe so. And and all the, I was posting about it because I do all of our social media and people from all over the world said they were praying for him, which really meant so much to us. And I would let him know that. And that meant a lot. And the other thing was what we considered divine intervention was the pain that I felt. Uh, he said, a lot of people don't feel the pain and you were very close to just not waking up one day. So the pain was a blessing. Man, it's so smart of you to go in. I've, uh, this is kind of embarrassing. I don't like sharing it, but I had really bad chest pains, was, was having difficulty breathing. I rushed myself, called 911, got to the hospital and uh, found out I, I, was, I suffered from panic attack. It was my first one. I didn't know. This is years ago, but I don't even care. I was like, when, when it's chest pains, you don't mess around. You, you check it out. So I'm so glad that, that's that you true. Did. And, and panic attacks do mimic heart attack a lot of the time. So you have to find out what it is. And we were just so grateful that he was able to get in in time. Yeah. And I feel so bad. I don't know if you remember, but I had mailed the, the mic in like late August. This is maybe days before this all happened. So like <laughs> he's in the middle of surgery and I'm emailing Julie, like, Hey, you guys ready to record? And you're like, <laughs> you're like, oh, we're, yeah. we're going to have to postpone it. But I quickly went online. I was like, oh my goodness, and started praying. But uh, man, so glad you're doing better. I, I heard your first words are, I want to exercise. So I, I bet you're getting pretty close to getting back out there. Yeah. Yeah. Not <laughs> even words, not even words. He typed it to me on my phone while he was still on a ventilator. He typed, oh, first he typed, man. have you let everybody know I'm okay? And then he typed, I want to exercise, which I thought was a joke at first, but he said later he really felt like he was tired of laying there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from everything I've heard and listened to the stories and read that you guys are, are, are definitely not afraid of hard work. And Scott loves to hands-on, get out there and get to work. So hopefully uh, you're back at it uh, soon. Yeah, but he's, he's feeling great. And the doctors expect him to be better than ever. Next month, he'll be fully recovered. Oh, man, that's so great. Very happy for you all. And uh, thank you. Continue praying. So a lot of our listeners, they're, they're, I would say they're, they're pretty familiar. You've presented at an IPMI conference as a keynote speaker. Uh, there's been several articles in the IPMI blog and the article in their magazine. This 
podcast is actually sponsored by the IPMI organization. So uh, we're, we're pretty familiar, but I thought, you know, maybe we could have some listeners that aren't familiar with what sol- who Solar, Solar Roadways is and what Solar Roadways does. So maybe before, I know you guys are probably tired of this. You tell the story <laughs> millions of times, but just give a little uh, background about how uh, this vision, this dream got started and where you're at today. It was actually Julie's idea many years ago. We were trying to think what we can do to do our part. We considered solar panels for our roof. Neither one of us particularly cared for the look of them. And she asked if we could put solar panels on our driveway instead. Which I credit divine intervention. I feel like it just that idea just came through me at the time. But we were really caring about the environment and wanting to. Do, and one of the things I said is, okay, so if we put solar panels on our roof, then those have to be taken down if our roof needs to be repaired, right? And he said, yeah. And I thought, well, that doesn't sound wonderful. And I'm afraid of heights. And I'm just, I don't know. It just came to me like, wouldn't it be more convenient if they were down on the ground where you could keep them clean? And, and initially, we didn't realize all of the benefits that would get rolled into it. But once, and, and he laughed at me at first. He wasn't even taking it seriously. And he's <laughs> like, no, you can't put them on the ground. Well, she planted a seed there and, and I thought about it and I kept coming back to it. And I thought if I could make, start thinking of the black box of an airplane, you can slam those things in the mountain or put them on the bottom of the ocean. They can retrieve them. They still work. It's, it's electronics. So I thought if we could make something that could protect the electronics like a black box, this just might work. I like so the, he came uh, back around. I was going to say, I like the uh, comedian who says it. Why don't they just make the airplanes out of the black box? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Definitely. So after he came back around, I still have such a vivid memory of sitting on a couch and talking about it and just brainstorming how this would work and and thinking like, well, what about the road lines? We don't want to paint over the panels. So what if we make those out of LED lights? And then we realize if they're made out of LED lights, this allows dynamic Uh, flexibility the lights can change for lines and signage as the customer wants and well what about snow and ice well we can put in heating elements and it just so happens that everything Scott's done in his life sort of you say led up to you having the skills needed to create this yeah I look back and it seemed like everything was preparing me for this project which has just been so amazing. So we just feel like it's been a spiritual mission for us the whole way. We always say we're on a mission for God because we just <laughs> feel like it was dropped into our laps and we're trying to fulfill the mission and offer this to the world to help make the world a greener and safer place for everybody. So the next step after the idea is to try to figure out what to make it out of. We knew the top would have to be clear to let the sunshine through to the solar cells. But I was thinking of some kind of high impact plastic and but then we learned that plastic yellows into the sun at a rate of about 10 percent per year so it wouldn't last at all and it scratches easily so since we didn't know what to use i jumped on a plane and flew to two different universities the two two of the three top materials research labs in the nation and both of them without hesitation told me to use glass and when i do my talks i talk about glass people think of their kitchen windows and i get these funny looks but Think of uh, bulletproof or bomb-resistant glass. That's really what we've got. So we put all this together. Bulletproof glass is made by taking tempered glass and laminating it several sheets. And that's basically what we've got. We take tempered glass on top and bottom. We laminate the electronics on the inside. 
And we've actually shot it and bullets will ricochet off until you get to a certain angle and certain power. I mean, we have a bridge in our hometown. It's just like glass and you're walking on it. It seems so scary, but I jump on it and it's, it's solid. And it seems like every year your iPhone, something so small and thin gets stronger and stronger that I won't be surprised if iPhones are bulletproof in 20 years. Yeah, it's so tough and strong. Sometimes we see people at our pilot project, they know it's glass and they kind of gingerly put a toe on it like they're afraid to step on it and if we're down there we say go ahead you can walk on it and we saw a group of teenagers once taking their skateboards and trying to break it i mean wailing on it and julie because we, we, we watch break it their skateboards well we watch it from our office because it's on web camera it used to be i think the city's taking that down now but it used to be so we could see it and so then we went right down and checked out where the teenagers were hitting it and there wasn't even a tiny scratch nothing and when, when we were installing it, you know, at first we ourselves were like putting tools down very carefully thinking, oh, they might scratch it. And pretty soon just tossing things because we knew nothing's going to hurt it. Wow. And I'm always amazed by new technologies. And, and a lot of times engineers develop, they don't think about humans being idiots. So when those, I don't know if you're familiar with those like scooters you can rent out. Yeah. Yeah. And you could park them wherever people were throwing them in like rivers and dungeons just to be stupid. And I think when autonomous vehicles, yes. people will stand in front of them and keep moving to stop them because they're not going to run over a person. So people realize you could stand in front of the autonomous cars. But it's so funny. You always have to think about that. What, what would an idiot do as I'm developing <laughs> this? And so you've, you've conquered that part. They can't break the glass uh, pretty easily. Yeah, and that's why having a pilot project is so important. You know, our public pilot project has been up for a few years now, and that enables us to see what all the public's going to do and how it holds up. You found out a glass strong enough for cars to drive in. Um, I'm assuming some um, solar, I don't know the, the terminology, but the, the solar panels and the, the lights to mark the roads and tell you a deer's coming, all kinds of cool things. So, so what came after? You solved the glass challenge. Well, then we started, uh, we did a talk at uh, Booz Allen Hamilton. And when I was done, somebody from the audience came up to me and said, I work for the Federal Highway Administration. This was in Virginia. And he said, are you going to be in town long enough to do this presentation for my group? So we did it two days later. I told Julie, this is going to be a whole department full of civil engineers who build roads for a living. They may laugh us out of the building, but they may not. And we were just in the concept phase at that point, you know, and so you always think if you're going to fail at something, you want to fail early before you've devoted a lot of time and energy to it. So we thought, well, we need to find out if they're even interested. So I did a 90 minute presentation for it. And at the end, there were four civil engineers up at the whiteboard with me doing drawings on how we're going to do this. And not long after that, we got our first contract with them. Yeah, we uh, did all our research and development under three U.S. Department of Transportation grants. Which was wonderful. They funded all of our R&D. Mm -hmm. And they had us do several tests. Um, we had to jump through all the same hoops that asphalt and concrete companies have to go through. And that includes loading our panels or load tested at 250,000 pounds. What we wound up with is a hexagonal solar panel that weighs 70 pounds. It's about 4.4 square feet. It has the LED clusters, red, green, blue, white, and yellow. Solar um, cells. Solar cells, heating elements. So this is like the perfect infrastructure product. Very flexible. Intelligent infrastructure. 
I love it. And then you have this and the, the ideas are almost limitless. You've talked about some of them. It, it, the heating elements can obviously melt snow, making drive, making drive safer, making roads safer by getting rid of that ice. The lights, uh, I, I mentioned a minute ago, but I think I saw in one of your, the solar roadways video that took off, you know, if a, a deer's on the road or something's on the, an obstruction 20, you know, 50 feet ahead, you get a message, slow down, um, obstruction ahead. I think you talked about, maybe I don't explain it too well, but how you can clean up a lot of the power lines and, and different things by running it through the, the roadways. The cable um, cord, the cable yeah. corridors, which will run alongside the roads, will give a secure home for those overhead wires. We just hate those overhead wires. Yeah. A lot of our supporters do too. I'm really into photography, and I can't tell you how many times you know I'm even like at the ocean, and there's a horrible, a horrible wire right blocking the picture I'm trying to take. And not only that, but they they're responsible for power outages here. They get covered with ice. They come down, creating real hazards for the public and, of course, for the utility workers. They're a real pain in the neck and endanger them, too. So we've talked to various utility companies, and they all like the idea of using our cable corridors to give those, those wires and cables a safe home. Oh, yeah. I, I read somewhere that you actually, your eyes see your nose at all times, but your brain ignores it. Yeah. I feel, I feel like that's how it is with these... Uh, telephone line like i've just i hate them i just got so used to them sick of them I, I don't even see them now and then but when i take a picture like you said or you focus on you're at a national park in the distance you see these telephone wires you're like wow they're everywhere you just everywhere. don't think about it <laughs> so, yeah i love I that, that. A picture of this bear without a wire <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> hey but most importantly of course the biggest uh benefit of this is you're creating energy talk about that is you know, I know you've done the math for like the whole world covered in highways, but kind of what, take it down to a single hexagon. Like what, what is that generating? And, and you know, what's an example that can charge a, a lamp uh, uh, for, for a week or kind of explain it in the layman's a single, a single solar road panel is a 50 watt solar panel. So how much energy it generates depends on how much sunlight you're getting at the time. And it's, it's very similar to your rooftop solar. If you've got a 200 watt rooftop solar panel, you're never actually going to get 200 watts out of it. Even on the sunniest day, you might get 190. The numbers mean that's theoretically the potential. Yeah, that's the maximum thing could generate under perfect conditions. But talk about your number stage and what you've calculated for our country. Well, using currently we're up to 23.7% uh, efficient solar cells that we're using. And when I did the numbers page, I believe I used 15%, which is off the shelf normal percentage at the time. We figured out that if you covered all the parking lots and roads and sidewalks, hard surfaces in the U.S., just the lower 48 states, you could produce three times more power than our country uses. That's crazy. What, like, what would you say, you know, like your pilot, like a, we're in the parking industry, we have a parking asset owner that has a lot with, you know, 50 spaces, kind of what, what kind of power could that generate? What do they do? do with that? I'm not too familiar with solar panels. So how do you get that? And how do you, oh, how okay. do you use that? Basically, whether you're doing a driveway or a parking lot, you're going to take your solar panels and, and hook them all up and run them to your load center where your circuit breakers are. So you're actually feeding this, the store or the home with the power from the panels. With either a virtual grid system mm -hmm. or you can use batteries if you prefer. 
Yeah, so a fifth, I can't calculate that in my head what a 50 parking lot space would use, but I did uh, talk to Walmart at one time early on, and I asked him how big their parking lots were. And he says, our superstores are 200,000 square feet, and our parking lots about four times that. So we hung up, and I calculated what a 400 or 800,000 square foot parking lot would generate. And I've long forgotten the numbers, but I called him back up and told him, he says, that's like 10 times the power that we use. But he says, wait a minute, that's with my parking lot's empty, then I'm out of business. I said, no, that's with a full parking lot. He calculated it with a full parking lot. With that's cars, empty. wow, covering the spaces, yeah. <laughs> yeah, people don't realize that people think a full parking lot means all the asphalt's covered. But it's I not- used to challenge people, get on Google Earth and zoom into what you think is a full parking lot or a complete traffic jam. Yeah, we just took a picture the other day. We were up in a tall building and I took a picture of a parking lot from up there and you can see when you're up there how much space is actually still open to the sun even if every parking space was taken and the same with roads people feel like it's really covered in cars when we're driving we feel like oh we're in bumper to bumper traffic but if you are on an airplane and you look down you can see how much is yeah. actually exposed to the sun well every parked car has got to be able to open swing doors open you think about that distance side to side both sides plus front and back it's crazy how much of a space yeah, if is. If you is get open. on Google Earth and look at a park, full parking lot, you're going to see about 50% of the asphalt is still exposed to the sun. And so much of the time, like in the daytime, it's more open. Like a restaurant is probably more full at night when you're not going to get sun anyway, more open in the daytime when you need it. Yeah, to that's exactly right. Yeah. And while we're on talking about the Walmart parking lot, of course, I have my ideas, but what, what are some of the benefits of using your technology other than a Walmart having 10 times the power that it uses in a year, but what are some other cool things you can do? I think you had a presentation once about like changing space layouts or handicapped spaces. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many. And first of all, I just have to say when we spoke, when Scott was the keynote speaker for you guys in Fort Lauderdale, it was so amazing. We had a huge line of parking lot owners waiting to talk to us afterwards for about two hours and just hearing about all their projects and hearing their enthusiasm for what we could offer was wonderful. But yeah, it gives you flexibility to change the parking lot configuration. You don't have to have just one. You could have different ones where you have smaller parking spaces on days where you're more full and give the customers more room when you, you know, have, if it's Tuesday morning and you have less customers, give them more room to park or make smaller spots for motorcycles, larger ones for trucks and RVs. It gives that flexibility with the LEDs. And of course, you don't have to paint again, which is an expense saved. We're looking out the window right now, um, a lot of snow. That's something, snow removal is something you wouldn't have to do anymore with the parking lot. Other than labor, that's like one of our our biggest budgetary challenges, the snow removal in our north either, more northeastern and northern parking operations. It's crazy how expensive that can get. Yeah, it is. Yeah, right now we have six panels by our door here in, in our at our headquarters where we're at right now. And the rest of the parking lot is currently looking like a large slushy. We've had we've had freezing and then thawing, and people don't realize that what it does. And even after Scott plows it. It's an asphalt parking lot, I should say that. Yeah, it's an asphalt. We have six panels at our front door. Yeah. So the asphalt part of it, when he's plowing, you know, he doesn't have to do anything over by the door where our panels are, but the rest of it is a mess. And a lot of times you plow it and people don't realize if they don't live in the north, 
that actually makes it more slippery much of the time, ironically. And just for me this week here in North Idaho, I have slipped and actually fallen once in the last week trying to walk around on different stores, parking lots. It's really, really dangerous. And, you know, people break their bones and fall down. That's just pedestrians before we even get to roads and how many cars slip and go into ditches and flip and how many people are killed and injured that way. So that safety feature we think is just going to be huge. And Uh, for parking lot owners, that's a huge liability. People slip and fall on your parking lot and the expense of having it plowed or shoveled if you're doing it yourself. So those things are huge right there. uh, Absolutely. I saw a picture on your, one of your social media mediums and it was like six feet of snow, but the solar panel driveway or lot, whatever it was, the demo, it's, it's perfectly clear. It's lit up and you just see like six feet of snow. I'm also looking at my wall. I have a picture of a Banksy uh, graffiti artwork I have framed. It's a little girl swinging on a a sign that says park. It says parking, but the ING is faded, but it's kind of a message to think about parking outside of just parking cars. But what I'm getting at is, yeah, I'm even thinking about a school has a big part. Every school has a huge parking lot for parent-teacher conferences and different things. And when that's not in use, you could you can create a four square map. You can create a, <laughs> I forgot what's called crisscross where you, where you jump the, you could just do so many fun hot things, scotch. colors, light, hot scotch. There you go. You could messages, you know, happy birthday to principal, uh, Bruce, or, you know, just a lot of cool, fun things you can do, but I think you had another one. Go ahead. Oh, well on your topic, you know, schools have playgrounds too. So on the playground, you don't have to just have one footprint where you decide to put dodgeball over here and hopscotch over here. You can change it. So the kindergarten teacher can put up different things than the sixth grade teacher because that will have games and, and sports court configurations for kids of different ages. And the fact that it keeps it snow and ice free means they can use it longer on more days and, and get outside and you can make educational games so that they're learning while getting exercise. So we really like that feature. You could paint, for instance, an outline in the United States and then tell the kids, okay, go stand on Ohio and make it a, a game and a contest. Oh, I love that. Like the Montessori method. Yeah, getting uh, there's better ways that we should be educating our, our children. And that's a cool interactive way. I love that. Yeah, go stand on California or show me Texas. And yeah, yeah man, so we're loving, we're loving that for schools and for parks and things like that. But back to um, parking lots, parking lot owners may want to offer specialty parking, maybe for veterans, families with small children, expectant mothers, employee of the month, whatever they'd like to do. It enables you to do that, to put a name or a word and then take it away as you as you wish, or you're having a VIP guest, you could put, you know, if Joe Smith is coming, you can put Joe Smith. And then after he leaves, then default it back to the way it was. Yeah. One of the big things in the industry is curb management or flexible spaces. Our downtowns are being dominated by, you know, rideshare, Uber, Lyft, pickup, drop off, or Uber Eats dropping off food in certain times. But uh, maybe FedEx deliveries in the morning, people shopping at lunch, the Uber pickups and drop-offs at night. So it's always been kind of hard to manage that, but having a way to be able to change the 
the markings and the messaging in the parking spots through a sol- solar roadway type solution would really, really help with that. And with unlimited colors, we could actually change the system if the regulators would like to do that to make it so we can use more colors that have more meanings to kind of catch up with the times with all that you just described. Yeah. Years ago, I was driving through Atlanta and they started with the variable speed limits. And I had never seen that where if traffic's clear, it's a bright, sunny day, it's 75 miles per hour. It's rainy, muggy. They can change it to 45 miles per hour. And I was, I just thought that was so cool when that first came out. I was like, why isn't every city doing this? But you know, you, you kind of take that same thought and solution to the solar roadways. That's, that's really cool. And what else you have? Yeah, what you just said, though, is perfect for solar road panels. But uh, just finishing up on parking lots, branding is something that can be done. Logos can be created. Just simple things that are management for a business, like saying if you're open or closed, instead of having a little sign in your window or something, you can, you can say in, down near the road if you're open or you're closed or what your hours are, or your special of the day. And advertising is a possibility for those who would like to allow advertising, which is a way to offset the cost of buying a solar parking lot. And the last two would be holiday decorating. Homeowners love that. Parking lot owners too can do holiday decorating and you can actually make it green, use the color green, which is a, you know, for your lines and your signage. And, and that is a way of greening your image, which a lot of companies really care about. Right now at the Sandpoint installation, they've, it's at the town square where they have their giant Christmas tree. And we've got 30 panels installed beside it. So we went down and put a, a rotating pattern of red and green hexagons. We always, we always go with the season, you know, so we just had Thanksgiving colors and now it's, now it's Christmas colors. And pretty soon we'll be doing Valentine colors. It's a lot of fun. And homeowners just love the idea of having their driveway and their patio used for holiday decorating. And entertaining as well. Kids love it. The kids love anything moving. We really find when we have a rotating pattern down there at the square, if if we create anything that moves, it's not static. They just love to chase the LED lights around. It's a lot of fun to watch them. I love it. I've watched some of the, the videos of people playing on them. Seems like a blast. This episode is brought to you by Parker Technology, the customer experience solution of choice in the parking industry. Parker's solution puts a virtual ambassador in every lane to help parking guests pay and get on their way in under a minute. Parker helps capture revenue, provides better customer service, enables your staff to focus on other on-site tasks, and keeps traffic moving, all according to your business rules. With the Parker solution, you'll also enjoy access to real-time call data and recordings. Learn more at helpmeparker.com slash parkingpodcasts. Again, the solutions are are limitless for what this can do for parking, for highways, but there's been some criticisms. The biggest one, of course, very, very expensive, almost to the point where you think about the pros and cons versus the solar power it generates versus the cost. So I guess, what would you say to that? Or are you guys like, yeah, we're still in early rounds. This is going to take years and years to develop and, and still your vision, still your dream kind of... Where are you at right now with in the early stages versus 
your dream of well, seeing this everywhere. I, I handle all of our social media. So of course I'm the one that reads all of that. And it, it cracks me up. Actually, there's been articles written where people have produced a number that it's going to cost this much per <laughs> mile or this much per panel. And, and they haven't even contacted us. They're just making numbers up, which is such a horrible thing to do. And then some people believe it. And then they re they re put that into, into new articles as if it was a fact. And we haven't even told people how much it's going to cost. So you mean everything crazy. on the internet is not true? <laughs> <laughs> no. And it's, it's frustrating. I'm sure to all, all company owners just to see how much false stuff there is out there. But anyway, you address the up to this point, we're I'm currently designing our mo- our fifth model SR5, and up to this point, every panel we've made has been a prototype panel, onesie quantity pricing. So yeah, it's not cost feasible for a homeowner yet. But we did took a trip to Detroit. We've talked to an automotive manufacturer who wants to make our panels for us, and they claim they can cut ninety percent of the cost out. If they can actually do that, that makes it less expensive in the long run than asphalt. And once we do that, if that's if they can actually pull that off, then there'd be no more reason to use asphalt. Yeah, you get to economies of scale, I'm sure. But you really think that one day this could be cheaper than asphalt? Yeah, we had in our very first grant with the U.S. Department of Transportation, they asked us to compare the cost to asphalt. Well, we hadn't even built one yet. So we kind of worked backwards. I started trying to find the cost of asphalt, and there's a hard number to find, but a friend of mine, grandson, builds roads in Seattle. So I talked to him and he said, use about $16 a square foot. He says, the reason you can't get a number, he says, if I'm paving the road right in front of my business, then that's going to be as cheap as it gets. But if I'm building a road 15 miles away, then I got to move all my equipment and all my people over there and it gets a lot more expensive. Oh, yeah. Mountain passes are more expensive. God forbid you're building a tunnel. So it's hard to narrow that one down. So he said, you use $16 a square foot and you'll be, you'll be close. And although asphalt companies claim their roads will last 20 or 30 years, it's really closer to seven. So if we make our panels last, let's say 21 years, there's nothing in there that can't last 25 years, then that means you'd have to repave the asphalt roads three times. So that $16 a square foot becomes $48 a square foot. Well, that means if we can make our panel for $200, we're even with asphalt without even generating power. And asphalt and concrete have no ROI at all, whereas our, service, our surface has multiple streams of ROI depending on how you look at it. And every customer has to evaluate that ROI differently. If you're a parking lot owner and you pay, you know you pay X amount for snow removal every winter, and sometimes that's very expensive. We have a lot of people writing to us telling us how much they're paying, and it's a lot. So if you're going to save that, that's really important to you or how much you're paying for painting, how much you're, how much the liability worry is a worry for you, how much it's going to mean to you to have people not fall down and break bones on your parking lot. There's just, there's so many ways to look at it. And again, with uh, inflation, that $16 an hour right now sounds probably as cheap as anyone will find it with the way things cost are now. But aside note, like even if it was five times more expensive. You're right. The, the savings from the snow removal, the, the liability, the, the power it's producing, it's, it could be a wash when it's all said and done. Uh, another one I heard, I, 
I don't know if this was you all or where I read this, but uh, they, they were talking about Atana's vehicles, if they were able to charge on the go. I don't know. Would that be something that a solar roadways could do in the future or cars yes, parked or, or while it's driving? Yeah. Yeah. We've been working with the university in Utah that has what's called dynamic charging. They have the technology, but the problem is you, what you do is you put a plate, a receiving plate under your EV and you put a charging plate in the road. Well, currently that means digging a hole in the asphalt, putting that charging plate several inches from the surface of the road and then covering it up and trying to get power to it, which is really isn't practical. When they learned what we were doing, they drove up here and we had a, a meeting with them. They said, we have the technology and you have the delivery system. So ideally, let's say we already had a solar road built and they tell me we need one of our charging panels every 10 feet. We just pop out one of ours, drop in one of theirs. We just give them the specs and show them, you know, it has to fit in this hexagon. And then if you drive down that lane, every time you drive over that transmitting panel, you get a little charge. So in theory, we could drive from Idaho to Florida without ever pulling over. Which would reduce range anxiety. And that's one of the biggest reasons that people aren't ready to switch to an EV. So we want to help that transition and the transition to autonomous vehicles as well. A lot of people think the autonomous EV is where we're headed. And if that's so, we can help with both. We've talked to some experts in autonomous vehicles and how they currently do it. And the advantage we have, for instance, Google invited us to their Mountain View headquarters and gave us a ride in their driverless car. They chose us to be one of their moonshots. Yeah. The, the engineers sat in the front seat and we sat in the back. So while they were manually driving up to the 101, I was asking them questions like, how are you controlling the car? And there's something called a CAN bus architecture. And, and that... You know, you take your car to a mechanic, you just plug it in, the computer tells them everything that's wrong with it. Because you've got it. the CAN bus architecture is really a network inside the car, and all your sensors are hooked to it so the computer can read it. Well, you can also steer, accelerate, and brake through the CAN bus architecture. And that's how Google was doing it. And then they use Google Maps. You know, they have a 360 degree laser on the roof and a radar in the, in the front grill. And that's how they're determining where everything else is and uh, using GPS. Well, if you think of our panels, when you bolt that thing down to the road surface, it's got a fixed latitude, longitude, and altitude. It knows exactly where it is. You know, GPS can be off a little bit. So in theory, our panels could actually be talking to the cars and driving the car. So think about this. You get in your car and you say, take me to Costco. You can put your seat back and take a nap while the road drives your car to Costco. You can find you a parking space beeps the horn when when you're there to wake you up. To me, that the EV charging, that's one of the biggest kind of X factors with all of this. You know, states could states could earn revenue by charging while cars are driving through their states on their solar roadways, charging their vehicles. That's yeah. Man, so that's the solar so cool. road panel really puts it all together, all of these benefits in one package. I've also it's- seen it seems like there's solar roadway prototypes in like the Netherlands, China, I kind of seeing this rolling out and being uh, prototyped in other places. I don't think this is you all, but do you have any kind of thoughts on that and, and how that's helping or hurting the, the cause here on the, on the home we front? Are, we're the original solar roadways. And when we did our Indiegogo campaign in 2014, a bunch of wannabe competitors popped up. We call them our copycats. But we don't know exactly what they're doing. They're, they're 
nobody has heating elements or LED lights to our knowledge. And we heard one of them was gluing panels down to a roadway and jumping right to roadways. So we really worried about that because our plan has always been that roadways would be last because we think that's the most intelligent approach. And apparently the ones that rushed to roads had problems and journalists get mixed up thinking that those are our projects. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. So we, we, you heard it first here. We set the record straight on the parking podcast. Sorry to hear that. But uh, I mean, hopefully, you know, lessons learned. It almost saves you guys the trouble from seeing what not to do and <laughs> continuing with the mission at Solar Roadways. Yeah. 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 So I, I like to travel. I was visiting um, Mount Rushmore and I went to Crazy Horse Memorial, which is about an hour from Mount Rushmore, but it's so cool. I don't know if you've ever been there. Have you been to Crazy Horse? No, we've, we've been to Mount been Rushmore. To Mount Rushmore okay. not- is that the one where they're carving him into a mountain? Yes. His hand's pointing out. He's on a horse, yeah. but. Oh, I'd love to see that. So they've been working on it for like 70, 80 years. It was like their children's grandparents or grandfather started it. And then his children are still working on it. And now their children are working on it. But I kind of had this. I can't think of the word, but I had this moment thinking like this gentleman who started it and their kids are, and all of them said like, they refused to take funding from the federal government. It's all been like um, donations oh. and stuff. But what they're getting at is that they're working on something beautiful and something meaningful to honor the native Americans. And uh, none of them will see it done in their lifetime, but they're still committed and passionate about doing it. I remember asking one of them, a question I can't remember. I'm sure he had a great response, but I don't know. I just thought that was so powerful to work on a cause that's good for planet or the environment. And heck, you guys may have all 50 states covered in 10 years. I don't know, but it's like a bigger picture. You're working on something for the future that you may not see the ultimate results of in our lifetimes. I don't know. Have you ever gotten so philosophical thinking about that? But uh, it made me think of that as you guys were talking about the future that could be. We have thought about that and we we do hope to see it in our lifetime. But even if we don't, because we believe in the afterlife, I've actually said to Scott, like, what if we're in heaven and one day they bring over a whole group of people who would have died in car accidents? And they say, because of your invention, all of these people didn't die in the car accident. They they all went on to live longer and have a longer life and accomplish things in their lives. And that would be so meaningful. I, I love that. I think, isn't there supposed to be like streets of gold in heaven? So maybe, just maybe that was solar roadways all along. <laughs> so I, I love that would it. Be awesome. That's that a great be way, awesome. a great way to end this. Right. But, but no, I, uh, I do ask though, how can listeners, again, a lot of people, like you said, I remember that line, I was probably in line waiting to speak with you at the conference, but how can listeners, they, they like what they're hearing? How can they learn more, uh, support, invest, follow along? Kind of what's the best way to get involved with Solar Roadways? Yeah, we just raised funding on Start Engine. I think people can still get on a waiting list there, although we don't have any plans for raising more money. But people were in line in between our two raises. We actually broke records there like we did on Indiegogo. People who want to be personally notified as panels become available can email customers at solarroadways.com to be on that list. Or if they want to just receive our newsletter, 
newsletter at solarroadways.com. And you can follow us on our Facebook page. We have a Twitter page, an Instagram page, and we're on LinkedIn, both as solar, well as Solar Roadways, Scott and Julie, we all have pages there. So those are all great ways to follow our progress and, and also our website. That's great. I will put all that information into our show notes. So you can just click on the show notes. And I am holding in my hand a little glass pendant necklace type thing. I don't know what you would call it, but I got it from an indie campaign. (laughs) You got Indigo campaign you guys did years ago. I have it in my my desk. That's pretty cool. But you two can uh, get involved and follow along. uh, and, And they're great. So Scott, Julie, Man, thank you guys so much for um, your commitment to this. Thank you for joining the podcast. And I'm so glad you're feeling better, Scott. Have a thank great you. week. Thank you, Isaiah. This episode is brought to you by Tez Technology. Since 1993, Tez has developed innovative text based mobile solutions designed to streamline operations, increase efficiency, and improve overall customer experiences. My favorite is the ability to pay for parking without having to download an app. Tez Solutions includes SMS valet, text to park, permit to park, and much more. I think every organization or city or university should be adding Tez to their payment options arsenal. Learn more about Tez at tezhq.com. Hello, Parking Podcast listeners. This is Robert Farron from the City of Columbus. It's been an honor and privilege to serve the IPMI membership as a current board member. Through my work on the board and as co-chair of the Research and Innovation Task Force, I'm especially proud of the way we kept the industry connected in challenging times by elevating our most valuable asset, our members. I'll strive to continue supporting IPMI and finding creative ways to connect members to new opportunities. As our profession is being redefined, we need to stay on the forefront of new technology and expand our partnerships within and outside the industry. I'm excited about our bright future and would be honored to represent parking mobility professionals everywhere through continued service on the IPMI Board of Directors. Voting opens on March 14th, and I'm asking for your vote to keep our industry moving forward. Thank you.